0: Hi there, I'm Larry Walsh and welcome to Pod2112, the official podcast of the 2112 Group, where we talk with thought leaders and influencers shaping the technology marketplace and the world around us this week's pod 2112 is exciting because i get to introduce a new member of the 2112 team my old friend alex hart alex is uh, our new senior vice president of Strate- strategic services and um you know I- i've known alex for the better part of the last 15 years um i i think he's a great guy a very smart guy um he's served in various channel leadership roles at semantic and vmware most recently verizon uh enterprise he is a An expert in public sector and federal channels. I think the first time I actually learned about state and local and education channels was through Alex. Um, He brings a wealth of operational experience and strategic experience to the 2112 team, and he's going to be working on developing and expanding our existing portfolio of professional services. And so with that, Alex, please welcome to Pod 2112.
1: Thanks, Larry, it's an absolute pleasure to be with you and and a a great pleasure to join the 2112 team. Um, You know, having been on the other side of the fence and helping build channels and channel organizations, have nothing but the utmost respect for what 2112 has accomplished over the years, because in a lot of ways, when it came to kind of looking for unbiased information to understand exactly where the marketplace was, where we needed to take um, our services, and what were some of the things that we needed to do for our client base, our partner base, um, you were the person that we turned to. So it's, uh, it's great to be a part of the team.
0: Let's talk a little bit about where you've been because, as I said, you've you've done public sector channels, you've done enterprise, uh, enterprise and uh, private sector side of the channel. Um, and this has been a lot of the last two decades of your life what have you seen and what do you see that's changing uh,
1: you know it, it it really has and and i'm i'm kind of a music guy so i i keep on going back to uh the grateful dead you know what a long strange trip it's been um it, it's been really interesting you know it, uh, i ended up in the public sector kind of as a victim of geography being based out of the dc area you know i i actually started my career with nothing to do with it i was actually in financial services over 20 years ago i was a stockbroker and And um, as time went on, I always had a technical bend, and and, and I had the opportunity to go work for uh, a distributor of of all things. And uh, that's how I kind of ended up in in this universe and and haven't regretted a minute of it. So, you know, kind of fast forward um, in the D.C. area, start dealing in government. Um, Government is truly a world unto its own in many, many ways. And the, the beauty of it is, is, you know, at the end of the day, you know as well as I do that selling is selling, you know, selling to government was a different dialect, I'm really excited by the fact that now what I get to do is rather than look at the world through that set of lenses, you know, I can kind of take uh, those glasses off, if you will, and really start engaging. And, and taking some of the lessons that I learned um, in that world, and, and really applying them to, you know, routes to market as a whole through, uh, you know, through now my relationship with Twenty One Twelve. So, you know, was a government guy. I've done programs. Um, I've done Fed. I've done state and local. I've done education, and, and I'm really excited for this uh, for this next stage. It's interesting when you say selling is
0: selling, um, because I, I I agree with you. I think that ultimately the channel isn't about technology it is about driving revenue and managing customer relationships and covering the addressable market do you find, though, that the, the industry is, is fractured, though, because we still hear about we need to drive more sales, so let's throw out more technical enablement. Uh, we need to drive more sales. Let's throw out more incentives. Do we, are we still at a point, though, where we're still trying to mature the marketplace in regards to that this is a
1: selling motion more so than anything else? you know what i I'll, I'll I'll answer the question this way I'll even take it a step back. It's not really even a selling motion it's a relationship motion, right? You know, in, in selling 101, you you learn to close what I'll call the trust gap, right? You know, when you sit down in front of a customer, when you sit down in front of a partner, you know, typically a couple things are happening. You know, number one, you are trying to figure out how do I get this person to see the world my way so they can agree with what I'm proposing? And they're looking at it and they're saying to themselves, well, can I trust this person and can they solve my problem? So, you know, what I would say is I, I think where the industry is today and I think where the industry needs to go is to kind of actually ratchet things back and take it down to you know the outer layer of the onion, which is what is the customer trying to accomplish? Now, the customer is defined as many things. It's the end user, it's the partner, it's the internal sales organization, it's it's the programs organization. So I, I really do think that it's not just about Solving problems by adding more technology or incentives or things of that nature, but truly and fundamentally understanding what are we trying to solve for? Do you find that, that
0: that's lost though? Because I will tell you, and one of the things that I often get is we see the changes happening around us. We can feel the Earth moving under our feet, the you know spinning on its axis. Yet there's this there's this resistance sometimes or this, you know, maybe even running in place or running against the the orbital turn um, that we feel safer where we were rather than looking forward to where we could be. Do you think that there's ways of looking around the corner on those issues?
1: Yeah, I I really do. And, and I I don't necessarily believe it's lost. I simply believe that, that, you know, look, let's face it, any business, is always going to have some kind of stressor or pressure on it, right? Whether it's, you know, hitting the quarterly number, whether it's making sure partners are effective doing what we're doing. And I think what ends up happening is as those levels of stress increase, we tend to lose sight of the why, right? And and I think really the important thing and and everything that you've talked about, right, um, all the technology, all those bits and pieces or the how, what I think needs to happen is, is, you know, the companies that are truly successful are those that figure out how to create a balance between the how without ever forgetting what the why is. So I think where that success comes in is, you know, you, you look at all sports and I'm not a big sports guy, but I believe in this analogy, which is the fact that, you know, at the beginning of every season, every team has some kind of basic training for lack of a term, right? You know, whether it's um, spring training in baseball, whether it's the mini camps and the camps in football or whatever the case may be, it's all about going back and understanding what the fundamentals are and then applying whatever those additional master levels are that you layer on top of it to be successful at doing what you're doing.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I also think that, you know, the one thing I would add to that is not that they have some level of training, but they also start with an equal opportunity to succeed. What do you, you know over the course of your career? What's the most valuable lesson that you return to
1: in terms of things you, that you draw upon? Uh, you know what it's it's actually believe it or not. It's actually a quote by Mike Tyson, um, which is everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Right. And, and what I simply mean by that is, it, it doesn't matter what I plan to build with my teams as it relates to, well, you know, this is a program that we're putting in place or this is something that we're doing with the partners. Um, what it really boils down to is when we go to execute, what are those unforeseen things that pop up that get us off of our plan? And how do we solve them to make sure that we can end up where we wanted to end up, where we began with? That's, you know, that's one of those undying lessons that, that, uh, you know, I, I think I look at it in, in every organization that I've been a part of, and, and I've been very fortunate in my career to be a part of, of, you know, some absolutely fantastic organizations where the folks that kind of keep that in mind are the ones that, that you know, not only survive, but truly thrive within those environments of, of uh, you know, chaos and change. Yeah. What
0: do you, what do you think? What, let me ask you, what's the, the most interesting question you've ever gotten from a partner?
1: That's a really good question. You know, I, I, typically the questions that I've gotten from partners is, you know, um, how can we engage with you to better understand your organization, right? That, that's been kind of the typical question. The best question I've gotten from partners and, and probably the most, uh, the most interesting question, which is one that, that you typically don't hear that often, is actually turn that question around. And, and a partner actually came up to me and said, hey, look, this is what we're good at, right? Help us understand how we can help you. Yeah, the, I'll tell you the funniest question I've ever gotten from a partner. This is an absolute true story.
0: I'd just gotten done giving a presentation at a conference. They walk up to me, introduce themselves, and said, I have a question for you. My business isn't growing. Why? And I just sort of stood there and go, I don't know. Can you have a few more bars for me? <laughs> Wait, was
1: that by the who? Yeah, <laughs> it was by
0: the who. You know, you're right, though, is that there there is a certain magic with partners that do self-identify by saying, how can we work better with you? Isn't that the dream of every of every channel chief is, you know, that they actually step forward and say, please
1: let me do more. You know, it really is. But it it truly is a two way street, because I, I think the the implied rest of that statement is help me do more for you so you can do more for me, which is okay, because if you think about it, that's what business is all about, right? You know, the most successful businesses out there are the ones that truly begin with the customer in mind to understand. And I think when it's happening, and this is, you know, this may be somewhat of a controversial statement, right? But at the end of the day, I think it's really understanding who the true customer is, right? You know, is it the end user? Is it the vendor, you know, from a vendor's perspective, is it the partner? Or is it that that vendor's internal sales organization? And, and I think that once you kind of start with this idea of, you know, being at the outer edge of the universe, right? The edge that actually touches the person or the organization that consumes the services and work your way back, then then I think you end up with a very, very different perspective on how to run your business as opposed to what also happens in a lot of cases, you start from the in and work your way out.
0: I I couldn't agree more. I think that there is a, um, as you said, you know, you have to look at what's the objective, what are you trying to accomplish, and work your way. What is it going to take to get you there, and what are the best routes to get you there? Um, What is it, you know, I'm going to make this our last question, Alex, is, you know, what are you looking forward to now that you've hopped the fence? You've come over to practice the black arts with us. Um, you know, what do you th- what is the thing that you're, you can't wait to get out?
1: and do? You know what? Um, I've I've always loved sharing experiences that help others grow. Right. So the, the part that really excites me, I kind of go back to that, that, uh, you know, quote by Tyson. Right. You know, over the last 20 years of my career, I've gotten punched in the mouth plenty. Right. And, and I'm really excited about being able to take those experiences, both the positive experiences and, and as importantly, if not more importantly, kind of the negative experiences, you know, those those experiences where those best laid plans went pear shaped, Right. And being able to share those with organizations that are growing their channels, you know, uh, the my perspective is, is, you know, you don't have to step on the landmine because I already have. So I'm really excited about being, being able to take off the, uh, the filters as I call them, whether I'm looking at it from one vendor's perspective or another, you know, those filters that I had as an employee and now really being able to take those filters off and share those best practices with these organizations and, and hopefully through that advice that we provide them, you know, they can thrive and, and they can avoid making some of the mistakes and, and uh, you know, hitting some of the potholes that, that I've done in my prior life.
0: I couldn't agree with you more because it really is about helping uh, the channel teams and these vendors navigate those minefields and get them across safely. So I, I, it's going to be, I think it's, you're going to do some great stuff here. I think we're going to have a great time going to market together, Alex. But it is that time where we bring this podcast to a close and you do not get off the hook just because you're part of the team you get to do the five questions just like everyone else the, the dreaded and five at, questions i can't wait the, <laughs> yeah, so and you know in here as regular listeners know these five questions are designed to be a little lighthearted a little a little bit of fun and they are tailored specifically for you now alex i know we have not noted this yet but i will tell everyone alex here is a car enthusiast so alex for you today i have five questions related to cars are you ready to this? bring it on Okay, our first question. The Batmobile in the original 1960s TV series was a modified a modified version of what car? You know what? I have no clue, but I do know that George Barris built it. It was a 1955 Lincoln Futura.
1: No kidding. How about that?
0: Yeah. Yeah, those big wings on the back. Absolutely. Um, number two, we hear a lot about Tesla and
1: electric cars nowadays, but when was the first practical electric car brought to market? You know, it was actually brought to market by GM, if I'm not mistaken, and they actually killed the car off in the uh, early 80s.
0: You're right, but it was the wrong 80s. It was 1882. A, uh, <laughs> an inventor named Thomas Parker in London manufactured the first practical car through the Elway, the Elway Parker Company. I kid you not. Look it up. (laughs) Um,
1: Number three, what was the last car sold in the U.S. with a carburetor? Last car sold in the U.S. with a carburetor. Uh, You know, I'm going to say Ford Fairmont. You know, I would probably go with that too, and I'd probably say it was
0: the Fairmont was still being sold up until a couple of years ago. But no, it was a Subaru Justy, a car
1: I had to look up. Uh, last one sold nineteen ninety. I remember the Justies; those are, uh, you know, Subaru makes a hell of a product, no matter no matter what you what you look at in their line. And I'll tell you, the Justy was was the one of the first little three door, you know, Econo boxes. Yeah.
0: I I think a box is the best way to describe that car. (laughs) Uh, Number four, what car maker was the first to pioneer the use of gullwing doors?
1: You know, I know Mercedes had their uh, um, 300 SL gullwing. I'm going to go with Mercedes. Mm -hmm. You are correct, and it is a 300 SL, 1952. You know, I actually saw one of those uh, two weeks ago it was at, a, at a Deutschmark event, uh, Deutschmark Concorde Elegance here in uh, Northern Virginia. And uh, there are actually several of them out there. Surprisingly yeah. enough, because those are comma comma cars. Yeah. Actually,
0: it's funny that, you know, we can digress here for a minute because it is our podcast. I was at the BMW Museum in Munich and I was surprised to see BMW had pocket doors on a, a model they had out in the early 90s. Yep. The Literally, Z1. Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting, not a car I'd want to drive, but it was interesting. And our last question, in this classic Rush song, the narrator talks about escaping his uncle's country farm in what, in what kind of car? Oh, come on. That's an easy one. It's a
1: Ferrari Barquetta.
0: <laughs> you are absolutely correct. And there you have it. You found another reminder to top off your tank in your car by listening to us talk on Pod 2112. I want to thank our guest and newest team member, Alex Hart, for joining us. And I want to thank all of you for listening in to Pod 2112, a production of The 2112 Group, a go-to-market research and strategy firm. For more information about 2112 services, visit our website, the2112group.com, kind of on the nose with that, or email us at info at the2112group.com. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter.